All right, this is an exciting one. We've got Mac Boucher. We call him the King of Sling around yes, here. Yes, we do. <laughs> and you guys, if you've seen what he does on, on Instagram and everywhere else, you know exactly why. But Mac, it's so great to have you here on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So first question I got to ask you, I mean, coming from you know your background, coming from Canada, it's it's obviously a spot that's not known for a long golf season. So... Take us back a little bit where you got started with the game. You know, were you playing at a young age? You know, uh, where where did you first start to get into golf? Yeah, so I got into golf super late. I uh, played pretty much everything else growing up. Um, was pretty much my, had my hand in any sport that I could. Um, I actually played hockey, was a swimmer, pretty much played everything. But then we found a cyst in my brain when I was like 17 years old, about the size of a golf ball right in the center of my brain. Um, that was giving me like con- concussion symptoms after any hockey game, hockey practice, swimming, whatever it was. I was um, pretty much just absolute vegetable in a, in a room, in a dark room, trying to like get over it. So when I got an MRI, they found it. Um, they couldn't operate on it because of the location of it. But essentially, I had to pick up sport that was more of a low impact, um, better for my noggin, essentially. So I kind of fell into golf because it was something that I could do, remain competitive um, without kind of injuring myself further. So it was kind of a forced decision. And then I just kind of fell in love with it immediately when I picked it up. Yeah. So how much did some of those other sports influence the way you play now? I know hockey, especially translating over to it, did it influence it in any way? Yeah, I would say, I mean, for me, I, I I see golf as still a sport. You want to be athletic. And I think that's something that I've always preached with it when I was teaching and stuff is just like, be a bit of an athlete when you're playing. It doesn't need to be like a um, very standstill sport. You can kind of keep things moving and, and make sure that you're um, um, being an athlete. Cause I think a lot of coaches um, are almost get away from the athletic ability of, of their students. And, and that's been something that's really important for me. So um, definitely helped that I played other sports growing up. Cause I think it helped with my hand. eye. it helped just with like, um, being able to find a way to hit a ball and get a ball in a hole rather than worry about what it looks like. Yeah. Well, it's certainly, I mean, watching you, it's certainly what we wouldn't call like a traditional style of playing the game. But the question that I have is that obviously it's incredible what you can do and the way you can work the golf ball and it's sensational. And that's why, you know, you've built such tremendous following of people just being like, just wowed by what you do out there. But You've also, you know, played golf professionally. So my question is, how close does your game, your actual game on the golf course look to what we see on social media? Like, do you actually play the game that way? Or are you just kind of more of a trick shot thing or just showing you what us what you can do? No. So for me, I do. That's how I played when I played professionally. That's kind of, I mean, the mini tours around Canada when I played PGA Tour Canada, that's kind of what I was known for. Obviously, Instagram, if I see a gap in a tree that's like low percentage, then I'm going to rip it through that gap just because it's it's enjoyable for me. I don't have to worry about shooting a score anymore, but I'm still curving it. If there's no trees, if there's nothing there, that's like a, it's like my comfort blanket. Um, I know that if I hit a big sling, my miss is generally an oversling that's going to go right. So if there's stuff left, then you know I'm going to sling it off the, the hazard because I know that my miss will be the right side. Same off the tee. I've always hit like a bit of a pull slice. Um because I find that my miss is generally a block or a bit of a cut overcut, mm. um, which is going to end up left rough. So it kind of, it's, it's almost, I like learned to play to what my miss was. Um, 
and that's what I started doing it. It's maybe gotten a little bit more exaggerated since the Instagram because it's how I enjoy playing. But honestly, when I played full time, there was still some shots that you would see that not many other people would even bother looking at. <laughs> right. hey, hey, Mac, does it ever come back to bite you, Those that type of play, those slings that just fail? You find yourself ever getting into a lot of trouble and saying, oh, man, I should have just hit a straight shot there or something like that? No, because my straight shot is worse. Like my miss with my straight shot is like an overthinking pull snipe or like a double miss. So I hate having a double miss. So for me, like, I think it's so hard for me to convince people of this. Like, I think that's my hardest thing with all this is like until you actually play with me and realize that like how accurate I am by hitting a 50 yard hook with an eight iron, um, it's it, people can't wrap their head around it, which I totally understand because it's so unconventional, but Honestly, for me, if, if it's windy and I, I can play with the wind and kind of use it, like I, I have way more success trying to turn it. Trying to hit it straight for me, it just ends up me hitting double miss that it just is awful. So, Well, I think there's still something to be said there that like us as amateur golfers can learn from it. Obviously, the amount that you work the ball is, is kind of extreme, and, and us trying to do that could make life worse <laughs> for us. But so many of us, we fight our natural shot shape. And we want to try to hit a straight ball because we think it's safer. But in a way, it's like almost swimming against the current at times. I mean, what you're saying there, sure, it may look deadly to us, you starting a ball way out over the water and bringing it back, but you you know your miss. You know the way that's going to go. And I think there's a certain degree of it that we as like amateurs can be educated by of just saying like just embrace your own style to a certain extent. Does that Do you think that that could be something that we could kind of take away from that? Yeah, I think everyone's so concerned about trying to hit the ball so straight. And I think, like, for me, I found a way. Obviously, when I first started golfing, I sliced it. I was a hockey player, so it was natural that I was going to come across it. So I taught myself to hit up on it so I still could hit the ball and keep up with guys who were drawing it because my attack angle was seven degrees up. So I was killing spin with high launch, low spin, but it was still curving and cutting. So essentially, yeah. I was creating the same dynamics to the ball that – a natural drawer would, but I was doing it from the other side with a cut. So for me, it's like telling people to find what they do well and tinker with it to make it so that it's very efficient with it and they can, they can repeat it. Um, that's what I've always been preaching. I don't say everyone should play like me by any means. It's just what feels comfortable for me. Um, but I do think that people get away from, they're always trying to perfect things instead of trying to perfect what they're good at already. Yeah. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. And, do you have any, like when you did crossover and get into the game, were there any um, professional golfers that kind of helped influence you or look up, that you looked up to? I think of some of like some of the other notorious shot shapers. I think like the Bubba Watsons, maybe even like the creative guys like Seve or even Tiger, you know, as, as just yeah. being somebody who taught the shot shaping and stuff like that. Were there any of those guys that you kind of attached to in your own journey? Yeah, I mean, Tiger Woods is a perfect example of someone who shapes the ball like crazy. I don't think people understood when he was in his heyday there. Like, he used to work at a ton, both ways. Um, yeah. I even look at a guy like Justin Thomas. Justin Thomas plays with a ton of curve on his ball, like a ton of curve. And if, I think he showed it a couple shots at the players the last few years with, like, massive rope hooks off the tee to fit a curve of a hole. Or, like, um, I think he did it at Augusta and hole, one of those holes in the back nine, maybe 11 or something. There's lots of places where these guys do curve it, but I don't think the TV picks up how much these guys curve it sometimes. A lot of them do it a lot from the middle of a fairway to get to a back left tuck pin or 
whatever it may be. So for me, looking up to like Tiger Woods was obviously super creative. He did things. He was kind of a he paved the way. Um, I didn't really, I didn't pay attention time to Bubba Watson stuff just because I, w- I never really watched golf. I was out too busy playing golf myself, learning, learning to play on my own. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, speaking of which, like how much the TV picks it up, translating over to, to you and you start to turn the camera on yourself, your own Instagram journey. I would imagine there's a bit of a challenge even to just filming what you do. Like there, I've seen so many of the shots, especially when it's shot in that vertical where the ball just disappears off screen for a yeah. while and then comes back in. So was there a yeah. little bit of an art for you at first in how you wanted to like share that stuff with the world? I mean, so I started my account as something fun to do just to, for my own passing of time during COVID. Um, I didn't think that it would end up this many eyes on it and it would end up turning into what it has. So at the time, I didn't think about it. I was just posting them and then I was like, people are going to think this is fake regardless if I post it. It's a lose-lose. Like, um, right. until you actually see it in person, it's, it's, I have to just accept the fact that people are like, oh, that's, that's didn't happen. He, he didn't hook it that much. Like, it's, uh, so that's when I started using like the zoom ins and like, um, I mean, even I've got a couple friends that I'll play with that are really, really good at actually tracking the hooks. Like I'll tell them where I'm starting it and then they're able to pick it up. So I, I definitely uploaded a few of those like at the start that were like making sure that I showed, um, the full curve of the ball so you could actually see it. So then when I did post one, if I was on my own or had someone not filming me, that they could be able to, to understand that it is real. Yeah. Well, I guess the good news is you know where it's going to go. So you can kind of help point them in that direction of how to film it. But yeah. Like, so, sure. so where did that, that change happen for you career wise? Like you talk about playing on the mini tours and things like that. And then obviously now you, you have a very busy and very successful career with what you do, whatever you want to call it, you know, a content creator, influencer, whatever label people want to slap on it. But where did that change happen for you? Or, or has that even happened? Do you still have some, uh, you know, pro tour aspirations to it or, or where's that journey for you right now? So, I mean, it started off, it was very much just a time passer. Um, I was, I stopped playing professional. I'll give you the full kind of Coles note version of this, but I start stopped playing professionally in 2015. I had wrist surgery. I was out for a run, popped tendons out of my right wrist here. Um, was in a cast for quite some time, kind of derailed me for a while. I knew I was never good enough to make a real living at golf. I'm, I'm a realist. I think people don't understand how good you have to be to make a good living playing golf professionally. Um, so kind of, that kind of just kickstarted my teaching side of it. I started getting really into the teaching. Um, I moved to New Zealand in like 2017 was the head teaching professional at Millbrook resort in Queenstown where I currently am. Um, and I just taught golf for three years. I absolutely loved it. All I did was just like out teaching golf, playing golf, going hiking, just enjoying New Zealand. Um, and then COVID hit and I ended up having to leave New Zealand. Um, and that's when I got back to Canada. It was December 2020. Um, and I just was teaching at an indoor facility in Toronto called TXG. They have a pretty big YouTube following, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I was teaching at TXG's facility. I'm really good friends with Ian, the owner. And we went into like this pretty strict lockdown um, because of COVID. Couldn't yeah. go down to the U.S. because it was hard for Canadians during COVID even to get down to the U.S. So I, um, I ended up going to Dubai uh, just randomly. I knew a couple out there. So I was like, you know what? I'll go somewhere where I can play every day. Just get away from this for a bit. So I went to Dubai and just started making these golf videos 
honestly, because I was bored out of my mind <laughs> pretty much morning and night when I wasn't golfing. I had nothing else better to do. I was sitting in my hotel room just like editing these videos and it was just like something fun to pass the time. And then kind of slowly started taking off a little bit like that three months I was in Dubai. Um, and then I think I had one video from Abu Dhabi uh, that got shared pretty much in like every big golf account online. It was like Zyre Golf, ESPN, all these big ones kind of shared it. And that's when my account kind of really took that big jump. And then from there, it just started growing. I'm still not really sure what I'm doing with it. Like um, my biggest thing with being like an online person is I don't want to be a sellout that just like accepts every brand deal. And I'm pushing CBD oils and protein bars and cars right. and, and all this uh, all this junk on people like that's not who i am that's not why i started my account i started my account because i love golf and love being creative and um so that's been the biggest hurdle for me is just trying to make monetize it but not be a sellout and just become like somebody that i'm not right right so is is there any aspirations to expand that you know i know right now obviously some of the the biggest things for you would be like instagram TikTok, where we see the vertical videos but obviously you know kind of a lot of people will move into youtube we see we've seen an explosion yeah. in golf youtube over the last couple of years is that you know a future in that for you as well yeah so my youtube's gonna kick off in april um i have a little film crew that are gonna help me i want to make i've always been a little bit skeptical about youtube until i found guys that could do like the video and editing just because I, I know I don't have enough time with how much I'm traveling and all these commitments that I'm locked into. So I've, um, I've got some guys that are going to, uh, hop on my like video and editing side and they're, they're really, really talented dudes that can make some really cool stuff. So, um, I'm super excited about that. Cause I think the videos are going to be something that I'm proud of, which is something that I'm, it's been really important for me. And, um, I kind of want to make sure I dock. I think it's going to be good for me to show more of my personality. Instagram doesn't show a lot. I think I'm a bit misunderstood. Um, I think people will appreciate kind of getting a little bit of an insight of like who I actually am, which is yeah. what I definitely need to show. So excited about that. But I, I do want to start playing a little bit again, just because I'm so sick of being known as like an Instagram golfer, just a trick shot guy that hooks the ball and doesn't, doesn't know how to score. Um, I was in that good, good video a couple of weeks or, but a month ago there and played terrible. Um, and I just got absolutely abused in the comments by people <laughs> thinking that I was just like a fraud. So I'm excited to um, get back into the tournaments and start posting some scores because I think that's just going to at least have something, to, a leg to stand on when these guys come at me. So. All right, we'll get you back to the interview with Mac in a second. First, we just want to thank Titleist. We all aspire to outperform the player we were yesterday. So this takes practice, commitment, and trusting your golf ball will perform the way you need it to on every type of shot. The new Titleist Pro V1 and Pro V1X are the most advanced yet and will help reward your best swings like never before. Both models are longer, even more consistent, and featured unrivaled control. The Pro V1 is the best combination of distance, spin, and feel in the game and delivers penetrating flight while the Pro V1X flies higher. It spins more in the short game while still giving you a low spin on longer shots to maximize your distance. You can find out more about the new Pro V1 and Pro V1X, including which is the best choice for your game at Titleist.com. All right, guys, we also want to thank FootJoy. Let me put you on to a shoe that I think it's going to be the hottest shoe this summer. Okay, what do you I got? Mean, some of the colors and stuff that I've seen, and I just mm. got mine. I am saving it for that first warm day. It's the all-new Hyperflex, that Hyper 
Superflex Carbon. Yeah. And from, you know, they're, they're brand new from FootJoy. They deliver hyper power, hyper control, and hyper fit for an elite tour caliber performance. And these are seriously powerful, but also comfortable shoes. You look at them, they scream comfort, but they also scream performance. Uh, and they're, they're, they're true gamer shoes. They're for players who are Focus on maximizing your performance out there. You've got that foundation for hyper power. It's designed to provide you with that swing platform, the best swing platform possible. We all know if you want to really, you know, use those forces, use those ground forces, you've got to have that nice stable base. And that's exactly what you're getting from this shoe. The added bonus is that it looks so good. So they keep you in place for hyper control because FootJoy, uh, all FootJoy thinks about is how to design a shoe that helps you play better they keep you dialed with the hyper fit because a shoe uh fit does doesn't reduce your power input and that is a fact so check out the hyperflex and the hyperflex carbon today at footjoy.com i'm gonna tell you what scoop yours up now because i'm telling you right now it's gonna be the hottest shoe this summer and they're gonna fly off the shelves you don't want to be on a wait list go check them out now footjoy.com and lastly i can't say enough about the tommy john 360 underwear in fact i'm wearing it right now do you want to see them What's wrong with you? <laughs> no, right, fine. Rather, I will take your word on it. You take my word. I'll keep my <laughs> pants on. But guys, these things are totally legit. They call it 360 because of the 360 stretch fabrics that prevent it from riding up, giving us wedgies. We all hate that. I mean, they're designed for the gym, for performance. They're comfortable for everyday wear. They have the mesh cooling zones, that contour pouch that guarantees only your goals are getting crushed out there. Uh, they got the their antimicrobial, anti-odor, uh, stay-put waistband that won't roll up, bunch, or pinch, or anything like that none of that annoyingness out there and i love the quick draw fly horizontal fly for quick access when nature calls there's nothing you don't want to stumble out there guys there's loads of color options and you can get them in four six and eight inch inseams sizing all the way up to four xl i'm guys the best deal right now for tommy john out there is ours use code golficity at checkout and you're gonna get 25 percent off your entire order it's too good to be true check it out you'll thank us visit tommyjohn.com all right let's get back to the interview with mac what will that content look like or what's the plan for youtube is it going to be documenting the journey with the tournament play is it going to be some bringing back some of your instruction uh, or more vlog style personality pieces because you, you are right you can only show so much of your personality in a 15 second reel yeah, so what totally. what are you looking for in that long content direction? So it's going to be a bit of an umbrella. Um, I mean, I love traveling and I think that's been my niche with the Instagram stuff as I'm traveling to these countries that have these wild golf courses with insane views. Um, so I've been reached out to by a lot of like um, travel tourism companies and um, stuff like that, that I can dock, get access to some pretty cool courses around the world that maybe are off the beaten path. So I know there's other people have done it, the Eric Anders Langs, no laying up um, like travel series and stuff like that. But I think I can bring a different aspect to it just with like my playing background on top of it. Um, mm -hmm. And then, so that's going to be like one piece of it, the travel side of it, a lot of vlog style. Um, I mean, I'm friends with pretty, a lot of PGA tour players, DP world tour players. So I want to do some like match style videos as well, where I get like other YouTube people and kind of do collabs and, and matches try to just just stuff that's already out there but it put my own twist on it um but yeah definitely gonna do some like um instructional stuff as well because i feel like that's our place i haven't been able to do it is on instagram with the videos being so short i just haven't been able to make those like quality instructional videos that i feel like i can just kind of show my twist on on the golf swing hey back is there any 
bucket list golf courses that you're dying to experience. You just haven't gotten there yet. Maybe they're on your checklist for this YouTube channel or anything in particular. You're just craving to get out there and play. I haven't done much in like the UK, like Scotland. I really want to get over and do like, I mean, okay. I feel like I have to go play like the, the St. Andrews and the, um, like the courses all around Scotland, Ireland, England, all those ones. It's kind of high on my list right now. I've been pretty much everywhere else in the world and played some pretty high end golf courses. And those ones I'd say are the top of my list to get down and play right now. Uh, obviously the U S as well, like with COVID, like I haven't been down there a lot since I started videoing. So there's definitely some courses down in the U S that I need to get down and, and kind of get on as well. I'd yeah. love to see him sling around, uh, Kingsborns. Yeah. That was one of our favorite experiences. Yeah, for sure. And, yeah. And I've I heard mean, Kingsborns awesome. Yep. It really yep. is. It's a special place. And, and you mentioned earlier, some of the, uh, the courses in the backdrops. I think one thing too, that your content, you know, when it, when it first came out on Instagram, it, it hit on so many cylinders because like you first, you had like the incredible shots that you were making, but also the other thing was the, just the whole picture of where you were like these mountainscapes, like some of those were just absolutely just draw dropping backgrounds. I mean, you talk about the shots, people saying the shots looked fake. Like some of the backgrounds looked so fake cause they were just so incredible. Where was a lot of that shot? So west side of uh, Canada in the Rocky Mountains there, um, Banff Springs, my home course out in Victoria, British Columbia is called Bear Mountain. Um, I would say that first year where I was starting to really grow when I got back to Canada, all my videos were Bear Mountain and it just looks really, really good on video. I mean, it's even better in person, but um, those two, like Bear Mountain was definitely up there. Where I'm at right now in New Zealand, like looking at my window here, it looks over the golf course. Um, it's Jack's point. And I think some of the videos at Jack's point have just gone crazy on, on Instagram. It, it literally doesn't look like it's on this planet. So um, I think that's why it's cool to kind of show, showcase these courses to people who haven't maybe traveled to these countries and open their eyes to what else is out there. Because honestly, some of them like these courses I've played around this world are, are pretty, pretty insane. Yeah. Is there a course like kind of like piggyback on what Mike says, is there a course in your mind that you've thought like, this is a place I got to go just because it would work so well for my game. Is there a certain spot where you feel like you could just really attack it with your style of play? Uh, honestly, not any specific course. I would say it's like uh, any golf course with a mountain that shows the ball flight is like, normally I can, I can make it look pretty good on a video where it's, um, but it, I wouldn't say there's a specific course that I need to get that's on my bucket list that I need to play. Um, I'm sure there's one out there. I just haven't found it yet. So we're searching. Yeah. You'll know it when you see it, right? Um, exactly. Yeah. There's one that I got to ask you about. My all-time favorite shot that you you pulled off. It's and I think you've called it like I, I don't even know what to label it. Like a slap chop. I'll see if we got a video <laughs> oh, yeah. that we can show here. How yeah. you did this, I mean, I, my mind, I can kind of wrap around physically how you're doing some of the shots. This one, I couldn't do it. How did you pull this off? It's like the club stops, stops dead. I think you've got like what looks yeah. like maybe a three or five wood there in your hands. Like walk us through this one. So that was a seven wood. Um, that was like, actually, that's a really good golf course as well. That was Cabot Lynx out on the East Coast, Canada. Um, sure. But it was, it was pretty windy. I will say before I explain that shot, Everyone online said that one went off the back, but there's a back ridge there that you can't see on the video. So this is not a problem that I have with Instagram because everyone's like, oh, nice shot. It went 35 yards long. And I'm like, oh. well, it didn't actually because there's actually a ridge there. Like it, 
it funnels back. That's why I did it. Um, but yeah, I just put it back to my stance, opened up my stance like a ton. Like feet are probably aiming um, pretty right there. Put the ball at the back foot, put the handle like super forward. And essentially, I would say my attack angle on that was like 20 down and 30 across. Uh, yeah it's i mean again that's maybe not one that i would pull out in a tournament unless it was maybe like a scotland or something and there was a ton of wind and i knew there was a backstop again i I, a lot of the shots i take it's it's to fit the curvature of a hole or like the the slopes of a green or something and how i i can see i don't look at a pin i look at the slopes around the green um where i can funnel it and where i can roll it up so that golf course the turf is super tight super super firm so something like that where the club will just stop and and dive into the ground and stop roll or not kind of fall through is like kind of cool for it so how much when you set up a shot like that how much of it is like premeditated knowing like hey i i want to go out and film this shot today versus you know time and place you show up at a spot you kind of know your game and you're like oh i got something i can pull off here let me let me let me you know roll the camera for this one I probably thought of that shot as I was pulling seven wood out of the club or the, the bag. Honestly, nothing I do is really like planned. Like I think it's, um, I come from a creative background. So me on a golf course is just, I kind of look at it as like a canvas where I can just do whatever I want and play it whatever, I, whatever way I want, as long as the ball is going in the hole. So, um, I never plan things cause I don't want to get in my own head about things. So I rather just go out. If I see a tree that I want to hook it around, then I'll just hook it around the tree. Um, nothing's ever planned though. Gotcha. And then I, I saw this other shot where you hit a ball over a couple of BMWs and oh, yeah. what it made me wonder was like, is there any shots at this point that make you nervous? <laughs> because this, <laughs> I'm nervous watching it and I know I would put a ball in one of those windshields. Mm-hmm. So I just wonder like how you're so comfortable with your game. Are there any shots or is there ever maybe a brand or a fan or somebody asks you to do something? It's just like, ah, that one makes me a little bit nervous. Uh, Hitting a draw with my driver, like a normal 10 yard draw with driver is probably the hardest shot in my bag for sure. I'm either a rope hook or a push slice that goes 90 yards left. So um, I would say that's hundred percent the hardest shot. The right, like the ones curving it, keeping it low, Hitting it high, but that stuff I find pretty uh, straightforward. I'm still getting used to doing it in front of people that have a high expectation of me. Like I feel like I've, I, I'm pretty shy and introverted. So for me, having like all eyes on me has been, I think, the hardest part with, um, with all of it. Where all shots become a little bit more difficult when there's people like a ton of people that you don't know watching. Yeah. Yeah, and we, we've actually we've experienced that before with other guys on the show. I'm thinking like Josh Kelly, like trick shot guys. You get to a certain point, and, and I can imagine it becomes difficult because then you're just like constantly asked to perform. Always, like, yeah. you, you know, you get to some place and be like, oh, do this, show me this, like juggle it and, and hit it this way. So yeah. I would imagine that's a little bit of a, a tough one for you that, you know, you're going to be constantly kind of asked to do wild and crazy things, but... I would imagine you pull off about 90% of it. So I can't feel too badly for you. Um, yeah. I mean, luckily, luckily I've created this brand over not uh, like doing the juggling stuff as much and the stuff that does take maybe a few takes. Like a lot of it is just me hitting a hook shot. Most people can hit a hook shot. I just hit a controlled hook shot that most people wouldn't even think to try. So a lot of it is pretty straightforward for me. I think it's just having the all, all eyes on me part is the, the one that I need to get used to. 
Yeah, I got you. So what would you say is the the best shot you've ever hit that's not on camera? Is there one you just wish you would have had oh. the camera rolling? Yeah, so that first year when I started it, I moved back to Canada from Dubai after that winter. I was the head teaching professional at Muskoka Bay Club. That's another good course that kind of um, videoed really well. But it was my first round out in the spring. I was playing with the general manager and like the head pro. I was the teaching pro at the course. First round I've ever played with them. We sat up on number 11. It's this par three at Muskoka Bay. I think it was like 165 yards. There's a green that's like over to the left. And then um, the green number 11 green is over to the right. So it was like a perfect nine iron sling. So I teed it up pretty high and I was aiming over at the left flag and the general manager's like, uh, that's the wrong hole. I was like, no, 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 like, it's fine. I, I've got it. Like, I, I know it's over there. I've played here. I was like, okay, that's weird. So I hit this big hook and it, I put my camera on, but I forgot to put play on, on the oh. phone. Like I forgot to hit play. It one bounced and slammed down for a hole in one. Um, it was like and I went back. I was like, "Oh my god, I've got this on camera. This is gonna like go crazy." And then the camera wasn't on, so <laughs> that's pretty painful. Yeah, pretty gutted. At, at least you did have a witness. I yeah. mean, if we're thinking something, yeah, I had witnesses. Yes, <laughs> thank God. Yeah, uh, that that's a tough one for sure. Um, well, listen. Apparently, like it's 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 easy to say that even in this short span of time that you've been in the public eye, you've accomplished so much, right? It leaves me to wonder, I know we talked a little bit about the YouTube channel, but like what's, what's left for you? What really like drives you? Like what is the motivation to do even more than what you've done already in, in this incredible couple of years? Yeah. So for me, like it, the fact that now I can travel the world and play golf recreationally for fun with friends has been something that's just like super, super cool. Um, that I like, I, I would say that's what drives me. It's the fact that I'm creating a career for myself that I would have only dreamed about five years ago when I was just retiring from golf full time. And I wouldn't even say retire because I had an excuse of a career, but um, stop playing full time. It's like to, to think back to that and see where I am now, where I can play every single day, open people's eyes to different ways of playing golf. I get a ton of messages from people being like, um, I stopped golfing six years ago. I came across your videos and they've like given me this whole new like perspective on how golf can be enjoying or join for everyone just playing whatever way you want. I think that's what drives me is the sense that it's like, it's showcasing that you can have fun. Score is not always totally the most important thing. Um, so I think that's honestly what it is. It's just keep growing the, the, I hate the, the saying grow the game, but I think for me, I'm getting a lot of messages being like, you, you've helped me really love golf more than I ever have going to the range and just messing around. So it's pretty cool um, to develop that kind of like community. Yeah. And, and especially when you do, you inspire others. I mean, that's like the true natural. We've all used that catchphrase of grow the game, but like when someone goes out and plays because they just see the fun of it, I think those are the people that are going to get their hooks the, you know, into the game and they're going to really want to play longer. And, and there's no doubt in my mind that you certainly make it look fun. You know, you, know, it's, you make it look easy, far easier than, than it ever is for the rest of us. But it's definitely a lot of fun. And I, I've really enjoyed watching your videos over the last two years and uh, you know, would love to continue to watch that journey. So really looking forward to seeing the, the launch of the uh, YouTube channel in April to see what you do with that. 
Um, best of luck with it. It's it's going to be uh, something that I think we can all look forward to. And uh, we appreciate you taking the time to come on the show today. No, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. All right, guys. So again, make sure if you're not already doing so, if you may be living under a rock, if you're not following Mac, <laughs> go and give him a follow. Uh, it's just some incredible stuff. It's it's ins- you know it's inspirational. It's fun to watch, and it's at times hard to believe, but. As Max saying here, it is all real. It's happening out there. So you can believe it and you can enjoy it. Make sure you give him a follow, Mac. Thanks again for uh, joining us on the show today. Oh, thanks a lot, guys. Really appreciate it. <laughs>